Hello, I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and welcome to the In Conversation With series, a series where I speak to notable figures in the realm of financial services. Listen as they share their personal journeys, thoughts on the industry, and advice for aspiring advisors. In today's episode, I'm joined by Tom Selby, Head of Retirement Policy at AJ Bell. So thanks for joining me today, Tom. Hi, Kim. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, So, Tom, can you give us a bit more of a background for those who might might not know you um, about how you got started in financial services? Yep, sure. So I'm sure there's plenty of people listening who won't know who I am. Um, so, so yeah, my name is Tom Selby, head of retirement policy at AJ Bell, as you said. So my my background and my my introduction to financial services was was actually through money marketing. So mm-hmm. um, I I went straight from university into trade journalism. So mm-hmm. I was a, a, a I was a reporter at Professional Pensions Magazine initially for a year, and then um, I joined money marketing. I think in 2009 or 2010, where I was specialising in pensions um, and then became news editor a few years later. And then in, I believe, 2016, uh, I joined AJ Bell as a senior analyst um, Mm -hmm. and I've been been working for AJ Bell ever since. So partly um, leading our, our kind of external communications on pensions and retirement issues um, and partly more recently um, engaging and, and liaising with, with policymakers in, in government and regulators to, to hopefully try to get some sensible retirement policy through and to make sure that new changes coming down the track aren't too painful for savers. So that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, it's quite interesting uh, to hear you make the shift from kind Mm. of journal to working within pensions and policy making, which is very cool. Um, But um, I know that before we discussed a little bit about influences before we started recording, Mm -hmm. um, and that is kind of the basis of this podcast today. Um, And I know that you said that you don't quite understand this space, but I would consider you a minor influencer of some sort um, in terms of like your Twitter (laughs) following and your engagement on Twitter, you know, like, you know, with brands and stuff like that, that um, they tend to look at influences for people who get the most engagement and stuff. And your posts do generate engagement. Um, The articles that you've written for us also generate engagement as well. Um, so I feel like you do have kind of a background within that. And I wanted to talk about this because um, it's something that I have found quite interesting um, over the last couple of months, um, because there's been a lot of talk about how there needs to be regulation for financial mm. influences. Um, I wrote something recently about, you know, the like, if you go on TikTok, there's like, in under the investment hashtag or financial education hashtag, there's billions of views there. So there's people going to these places to get information, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad, that is um that that's up for debate, I guess. But what are your thoughts on whether like the whole debate around regulation and influences? 
So firstly, thank you. I don't think anybody's ever described my, my move from trade journalism to a pensions company as cool. Um, so I'm I gonna, think it's fascinating. I'm going I'm <laughs> to I'm going to pocket that for my for my CV and move on. And <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it, I, I agree. It is an interesting and incredibly fast moving area mm. of financial services and um, where I, I, I'm I'm not sure where I come down on it yet in terms of whether it's uh, going to be a, a net good for um, financial services in the UK for savers in the UK and for investors in the UK or, or, or a net bad I think there are some some fairly obvious things that would pop it in column a so potentially being good and a, and, and a few fairly obvious things that would pop it in column a B, so potentially being being bad. If you think of the the column A part, so you mentioned mm. that the the number of views that a lot of these posts will get. So the the reach of social media is mm. incredible, and you know almost in, infinite. You can have posts. You you have people on social media, as you say, on TikTok, on Twitter, on other platforms, who are potentially getting millions of views, certainly tens of thousands of views on Mm. what can often be dry subjects like pensions and investing and things like that. And if that can be harnessed in a way that encourages people to make better decisions about their finances, better informed decisions about their finances, then Mm -hmm. I think that could be a really good thing. And I'm thinking there about people, obviously, like financial advisors, like people who read money marketing, but also people like Martin Lewis. So you look at Martin Lewis and he's got an ITV show that has millions of people watching. That's found a way to engage people in their finances and help them make better decisions through through guidance. And so if social media can be used to achieve those aims, it can potentially be a good thing. However, mm. in the column B part, the potential risks here, it's, it's, it's fairly obvious that at the moment this is an entirely unregulated Wild West kind of world. Um, you've essentially got lots of people who may or may not know a huge amount about what they're what they're talking about or promoting not always being absolutely clear about what they're talking about or what they're promoting or why they're doing it potentially trying to either coax people down a road that might not be in their best interests if you mm-hmm. think of the worst case scenario um possibly trying to flog scam type investments to yeah. people which we've seen plenty of unfortunately through social media particularly in the in the last few years um clearly if 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 that's what becomes the the dominant narrative around social media that it's potentially a bad thing and and you've got you've got a regulator sat in the middle trying to figure out all, how all this works and you've got to remember that in in terms of how quickly social media has taken off and some of those platforms that you met you know things like tiktok uh, that's a, that's a nation platform i think it's only really uh, to, to my mind been a thing in the social conscience for maybe a couple of years three years yeah, or something yeah. like that and i'm and i'm and you know the regulator is in essence is kind of sprinting to to stand still with this kind of stuff and and frankly i think a lot of people across the industry are sprinting to stand still as well and i'd include myself in that yeah well I mean, as someone who you've talked about how you are speaking with um, in terms of creating policies, well, mostly to do with pensions, um, do you have any idea or any opinion about how 
regulation could be enforced upon um, these platforms or the potential financial influences that are on these platforms. Yeah, with with great difficulty, I think mm. is the is the honest answer. And I think what we what we saw from the FCA recently, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, where it, it was it, it was the FCA was saying it was engaging with the Advertising Standards Agency to try to provide more information to social media influencers to make sure that they're a not flouting existing regulations, which might be the case, but mm-hmm. b if they fall outside of those regulations. So, for example, an unregulated social media influencer promoting an unregulated product mm-hmm. um, or something unregulated or giving information in an unregulated, unregulated environment um, that they make sure that they're doing it in a way which doesn't risk harming um, those individuals. Now, I think I think that's a good initiative from the regulator. It's a good way to do it. But it also kind of sums up the, the challenge there in that because you've got so many people, potentially anybody around the world um, on social media who could at any point in time say something or post something which may or may not be deemed a financial promotion or may or may not be deemed financial advice. And many of those people won't even be aware of financial advice regulations. And many of those people Mm -hmm. won't even be providing that information or that advice if it strays into advice in the UK at all. Then if you're if you're the FCA and indeed even if you're the UK government, then there's there's only really so much you can do. Now we've got the the online safety bill um going through Parliament. That's potentially going to put more emphasis on the roles of social media platforms in 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 uh policing the information that goes through there. Now, a lot of that is specifically looking at things like scam. Advertising. So at the moment, you you can have scam adverts that that will will be paid for um, on social media platforms that that wouldn't have been captured by that early form of that online safety bill. My understanding is that net, that the intention is that they will be captured by the online safety bill. So you're starting to get to a world where legislation is trying to put more um, responsibility on social media platforms. But of course, these are social media platforms that have international scope and the individual users of those social media platforms some of what they do will be well known to those platforms but some of it won't be particularly well known to those platforms and when as i say when you think of you know millions of people using tiktok for example and posting videos possibly constantly then to to kind of keep track of all that and make sure that where new people start to potentially post dangerous or misleading information there they're caught and stopped is 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 challenging now i think i'm sure there's more that those companies can do to regulate themselves but it's probably going to require an, an international regulatory effort to to mm. hold them to account yeah i think that makes sense mm. It's, I think it's very difficult, um, when, especially when it comes to the internet, uh, regulating anything is probably mm. very difficult. Um, but I just wondered, um, just a, a random aside on your thoughts on, you know, you work in kind of the commun- on the communication side at AJ Bell. Um, has there ever been a point where you've considered using one of these financial influences with a great following i mean obviously you have your own mascot that has its own following um um, but is that anything do you think that might be something that 
AJ Bell or companies similar to yourselves might do in the future? Uh, so I'm, I'm sure it, it is something that all companies will look at at some point or another. Um, if you look, uh, you know, it feels slightly old school to say this now, but if you look at podcasts, for example, mm-hmm. so you have uh, plenty of you know financial services uh, advertising is done, done through podcasts and things like and things like that. I think that and in terms of using, you know, you know I guess an an, in, an influencer, it's 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 just another platform to potentially promote information and your services to people. So it wouldn't be surprising to see financial services companies you know using the right type if if, if there's an influencer who has the same you know that's aligned with their brand dynamics and all the rest of it then then clearly you're going to get advertising going going down that route i think that makes perfect sense that's just where where we are in 2023 it's a brave new world and as i said at the start it's you know it's something that i'm having to run to catch up with as well but that's that 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 makes sense i think from from a firm perspective i think the Mm -hmm. the the real the real danger here in terms of financial services influencers or influencers isn't isn't with with regards to you know highly regulated fca companies um promoting their services through an influencer where there'll be huge due diligence you know if for example aj bell were to you know have some advertising with a financial services influencer that would go mm-hmm. through a whole compliance process we as a regulated mm. company would take our, our 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 duties in terms of the message that goes there and out there incredibly seriously and we'd make sure that we knew exactly what was being said how it was being said and that it didn't cross any regulatory regulatory lines into financial advice for example whereas mm. if you consider you know a a brand new cryptocurrency which is unregulated mm. um potentially being promoted by um uh, an influencer who might not be familiar with any of these regulations whatsoever then i think i think that's where you get the the real danger not just to consumers but to i guess the the reputation of investing and saving more broadly i think one of the the big dangers here is that you have lots of maybe lots of money coming from something like cryptocurrency towards people who have lots of influence but potentially not a great understanding of what it is they're talking about and promoting it ends in a disaster and we've obviously seen already some you know some scams promoted through influence and things like that which has which have have obviously ended in lots of people People losing money and yes. what you end up with is people losing trust in financial services generally it's and thinking that generally it doesn't make sense for me to invest my money or to save my money anywhere because they think that there's a there's the same level of of risk associated if you're investing in a single cryptocurrency that's been hawked to you by a social media influencer as there is going through a regulated company and you know getting a basket of funds and dealing with a regulated advisor so um Big big risks, I think, there. But as as I said at the top as well, I think there are there are some positives that can be drawn out of this. It's just that that challenge of dealing with some of the more nefarious parts of of, of the social media world. Yeah, yeah, and um, kind of piggybacking off your point about compliance. Um, mm. When I had written um, my article about you know the need for you know financial advisors and people within financial services to step up and become influencers themselves someone did raise the point of compliance and mm-hmm. say if they were to well they were asking me and I was like I have no idea um uh if they were to you know start 
promoting on whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or TikTok or Twitter, if they were to start, you know, writing little posts or putting videos mm. out, giving some form of financial education, what regulation and what, um, you know, compliance they might need to go through to do so. Mm. Um, and I think I, I hadn't taken that into consideration that there are kind of barriers when it comes to professionals in stepping into the, this field that, you know, someone like me who doesn't have, mm. you know, all the certifications, I can just start saying stuff that I've heard you say to me and do put it on TikTok and be like, I learned this today, you know? Um, but that is something that I think should be taken into consideration, maybe potentially. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I think I, I think I think that's I think that's a really important point. So I think there are there are there are two parts to this as as far as I can see it. So I think the first part is what the what the FCA is trying to do with its work with the AS with the Advertising Standards Agency in terms of trying to make sure as many social media influencers, those kind and and people who are generally you know promoting either products through social media or ideas or giving information through 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 social media understand what their responsibilities are and actually the fact that there are potentially tens of thousands of people who might take action based on the information that they give and so to understand that they need to keep that information as accurate as possible so that's part of it but i think i think the other part of this is that to to ensure that i guess the battle for engagement of people and the battle to get as much useful information and guidance to people as possible isn't dominated by people who don't understand what they're talking about, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I think you've, you've got the, the thing of trying to ensure that in the short term, people aren't giving dodgy information on social media. And then I think you've got the other challenge of trying to free up regulated companies and regulated individuals who can give useful information to people to be able to do so, obviously in a safe and regulated environment, but without the fear of putting information out there and some of the blockades that are in place at the moment, which mm. can mean that people think it's just there's no point whatsoever in going yeah. down the road of posting anything or writing anything or speaking to a customer that in a way that involves their personal circumstances. Now, right. the gold standard is always going to be getting regulated financial advice. AJ Bell as a company has historically always supported regulated financial advisors, and that's never going to change. But mm. you, you, you're always going to have, we, we all know that there's a huge advice gap in the UK. And for those who can afford to and are willing to pay for a financial advice, that's great. For the millions of people who either choose not to get financial advice or can't afford financial advice, the route is going to be guidance. And the question is whether we want them to get that guidance from regulated companies who know what they're talking about or from the potential wild west of social media where you've got people who potentially who, who might not have their best interests at heart and crucially aren't covered by regulation so i think we you know we've got a review of the advice guidance boundary um about to kick off i think as that review moves forward and it's going, that review we're expecting to take years. It's not going to come up with a quick fix solution over the next couple of months. But the, the aim, what the central thing I think everyone has to have focused in their mind as that review goes forwards is, is this battle for engagement with people and ensuring yes. that people are getting accurate information from the best 
possible sources and those people who are regulated and who hopefully know what they're talking about and have customers best interests at heart are, are able to communicate in in a in a way that's as efficient as possible rather than people turning to someone on TikTok who potentially doesn't have their best interests at heart, as I said, and, and perhaps doesn't have the most up-to-date and accurate information at hand either. Yeah. Yeah. Those are very good points. Um, so for someone who might be drawn to who is in that category of those millions mm. who, you know, don't have the money to go and get regulated financial advice, what steps do you think they can take to mitigate the risks of you know going out and doing their own research and listening to some of these people who might be saying you know valid helpful mm. things or those who might actually just have nefarious you know intentions yeah yeah so you've got a whole spectrum of uh, of people i think um, i think there it's fair to say so i think i think it's like whenever you I don't certainly from a personal perspective, whenever I read something on Twitter or I read something on Facebook or I watch a video um, and it's from a source that I don't know and that I therefore don't necessarily trust, then I wouldn't take as read that what they have said to me is absolutely true and accurate and fair. Um, And so in terms of doing your own research, as as, as you put it, if I I received a a piece of information or um, a, a suggestion from someone on TikTok or Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else, then then I'd look to get that verified by a, a trusted source. Now, what what would a trusted source be? Um, so it could be something like Money Helper, for example, mm-hmm. in the financial services space. So that's the the guidance service provided by government. I think generally, um, if you're if you're dealing with a regulated company, then you should be able to trust that the information that it's providing is accurate because they'll have the the FCA holding that company's feet to the fire in the way that an unregulated company might might not be uh, and of course for those who choose to and can afford to then financial advisors um offer uh, a, a great way to kind of cut your way through this slick, through this mud of misinformation and to understand what your financial options are. Now, clearly, that's not going to be an option for, for everyone. As I said, mm-hmm. not everybody can afford financial advice. But for, the, for those who can, one of the many benefits of getting financial advice is being able to to pick through what's true and what's not true what's useful and not what's not useful and come up with mm-hmm. a you know a savings plan an investing plan a retirement plan that's based around your needs and your long-term financial goals rather than being pulled left and right by different posts from different parts of the media saying you should invest in cryptocurrency over here and then you should invest in this stock over here and you should be taking these kind of risks. It's it can be quite a confusing world, I think, for people. And actually a financial advisor can help help remove some of that complexity and help focus you in on exactly what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it. So there are lots of different resources out there. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in terms of protecting your self i think i think the key, the key in terms of when you're thinking of things like scams it's it's a similar it's, it's a similar principle so if you see an offer that's too good seems too good to be true if somebody is promoting a cryptocurrency and says you've got guaranteed double digit returns and you'll get those within a year or two years then you should be incredibly skeptical 
about yeah. offers like that. And if you've got any doubt whatsoever, then then obviously don't don't part with your money. Yeah, I think I, I had this conversation before, and I think most people who kind of turn to cryptocurrencies, the problem is that they are uh, people who want uh, instant gratification uh, because we are in a society mm. where we have instant gratification. So it's like, I want to be rich now. You tell me how to do that. That's literally some of the adverts that I see is that, do you want to make six figures a month? now yeah. and then so i it's sad some people do fall for that some people it's, aren't skeptical it, yeah it's it's well, it's an interesting thing as well when I, certainly whenever you know so I, so I still um for my sins play play football on a saturday afternoon and that's quite a it's quite an interesting um place to end up talking about work because when you play football you've got you know people who uh from bid men to hedge fund managers to all the rest of it all meet yeah. together after the game and you, you know, have a few beers and you talk about things. And whenever, um, whenever my job comes up, I'd say the most common thing that I'm asked by people who take any sort of interest whatsoever in pensions and investing and things like that mm. is where should I invest my mm. money to make the most money now, yeah. um, which obviously is a is not something that I have the expertise to tell them about, and b right. is completely the wrong way to approach to this. Yeah. You need to be focused on your long term goals and having a balanced portfolio and taking risks that you're comfortable with and all the rest of it. But I think there is there remains this thing that people I think uh, whether it's a behavioural thing I'm not sure, but people want to be told invest your money here and you will get this amount at the end of it this is what will deliver you the highest returns and of course if anyone knew that then they wouldn't be speaking to you about this stuff if anyone on tiktok knew the next cryptocurrency that was going to deliver you a thousand percent returns over the next 10 years they wouldn't be telling you about it they'd be investing it themselves yeah but i think also there is that perception that you no know, you there are people that do know um mm -hmm. those products that will give them quick returns. It's just like some hush-hush secret high society thing that's being hidden from, you know, the everyday man. And I think that's maybe part of people's perception of why they think that investment is like, can be a short-term mm. return um, because I there think, are some success stories yeah. that are like that. I think, I, think the, I think the other thing I'd say, is particularly when it comes to people promoting investments is what anyone who has who claims to have any degree of certainty about what the future holds i would i would say is a huge red flag always so whenever someone is promising a guaranteed return whenever yeah. somebody says this you know investment x or cryptocurrency y is guaranteed to be the next big thing that should immediately set off alarm bells in your head because anyone who has, has that kind of confidence is most likely a uh, a shyster who's trying to flog you something which is either doesn't exist is or is almost guaranteed to end up making you a, a big loss or earning them huge fees over the short term. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I would say that I would say that the same thing. And especially because I think even Warren Buffett has said, you know, he has no idea mm. where things might go. Yeah. Um, so if someone like him who has been so prolific and so successful doesn't know, then I think he should listen um yeah. but finally um what are your thoughts on the long-term implications of the rise of influencers because like you said mm. the idea of regulating them and regulation even regulating the platforms the people use mm seems very difficult because it has to be an international thing. So first of all, every country has to 
come into agreement, which from history is pretty impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how what do you think um, will happen in the future? It's a really good question. Um, I, I I don't know the answer in all honesty. So it it, it feels to me like this uh, it, it, everything in terms of what's happening, the, the the proliferation of social media, clearly not a a brand new thing, but the speed with which it's developed, particularly over the the last few years, is is quite frightening. Mm. I think. Um, uh, the, I think there are. As I, as I mentioned at the top, there are, there are there is the possibility that this will develop in a way which can help promote positive behaviours. If you look at the reach of the communication and all the rest of it, but my 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 worry is that if regulators and governments aren't able to get on top of this, and this is the challenge, as you say, is that you're you're effectively trying to regulate the world you've got social social media is you know the equivalent of speakers corner except anybody can speak to anybody around the world and you've got regulators with finite resources desperately trying to cover everything all at once and anybody mm. on on twitter or on tiktok could go from posting something completely inane and benign to recommending a specific financial product and the idea that any single regulator or even global alliance of regulators could stay on top of that um to me feels slightly impossible um so the w- with those opportunities in mind I'd, i am i am fearful that on unless in some way regulators and governments are able to get on top of this, that the financial influencers who possibly don't have savers and investors' best interests in mind may win the engagement battle mm. and will we'll end up with more bad news stories of people losing their pensions or making bad decisions based on a recommendation from someone on TikTok or Twitter or has been scammed because of this Um I think we're going to see more of that in the coming years as as regulators and governments try to get to grips with it. So I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that there's a more positive work future and a more positive role for for influencers out there. And I can see I can see a situation where that becomes the case, but it it it's it's challenging at the moment, and and it's 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 a question of whether or not those people who have influence are using it in a in a sensible and a compassionate way, or if they're if if they're using it just to to line their own pockets. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think the latter is usually the case. Um, but we can always be hopeful and hope for the best for the future. And then yeah. also hope that people are getting education themselves or seeing the warnings. You know, I've seen, you know, the FCA putting out warnings about not gambling, not playing with your money like it's a game or something like that. So hopefully those kind of advertisements are also, you know, effective yeah. as well. And, and, we, and, we, all, and we, all have, we all have a role to play in that as well from, you know, people like me who go out there and communicate to people, um, journalists at Money Marketing, to journalists at National Newspapers and and others. There's, like I say, there, there is, I think the dark, in terms of focus purely on social media, I worry about that, that dark side of it 
dominating and leading to people getting misinformation. But the the other side of that, of course, is that people seem to be more interested in their finances than ever before. And I think mm. the, the the big challenge for, for everyone, for government, for regulators, for everyone is to make sure that where people are are receiving financial information, more often than not, it's from people who they can trust and from sources that they can trust. Um, and it's and it's information that can actually help them make good decisions. And I think that's that's the real battleground now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Tom. I really found this conversation fascinating. Like I said, it's something that I'm passionate about. So yeah, thank you. Thanks, Kim. Cheers. Thank you for listening to In Conversation With. We do hope that you enjoyed it. Please do keep up to date with all our new releases via Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts from. You can also keep up to date with all our new content published on the Money Marketing website, as well as our print edition, Money Marketing Magazine. So make sure to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. See you next time.